Tonight, Nathan Fillion gets a pavilion. Deadpool 3 takes a step forward, and Castle Bonita, Castle Bonita gets new owners. Cartman approves of this edition of Multiverse. Tonight, comic books, sci-fi, fantasy, and more. If you're looking for a roundup of geeky news, you're in the right place. This is Multiverse Tonight. And here's your host, Thomas Townley. Kick ass. Anyway, welcome to episode 138 of Multiverse Tonight. Uh, I'm, of course, your host, Thomas Townley, and this is, of course, the comic book edition. Why wouldn't be? Uh, this episode will be coming to you while I am at Planet Comic Con. So, uh, please be sure to check us out on, uh, check us out on Twitter and on, uh, Instagram as well for photos. And, uh, maybe a report or two, you know, you know, hoping on, you know, really enjoying this next weekend. It's, it's, it's been a long time getting, from, oh God, no, I'm not singing that song. Uh, you know, it's been a while since we've gone to Comic-Con, hasn't it? 2019. Yeah. Almost, what, close to two years now? You know, it's, 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 it's nice to be getting back there. It'd be nicer if, if, you know, it wasn't in the middle of the fourth wave of the pandemic, you know, be nice if people get off their butts and either put the mask on or get the shot. Those are, those are your choices. This is democracy. We gave you two choices. Put the mask on, get the shot or get or do both. Perfect choice. You know, you have a right not to do it, but if, if, if so, I don't need to feel, you know, I'm not going to feel that sorry for you when you're begging for your life on the hospital bed. Well, I'm going to feel a little sorry for you. I'm not that heartless, but you know, again, you, 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 you had the chance to, to save yourself. We threw your life preserver and you batted it away and then whined while you drowned. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to, let's get to something happier, shall we? Let's get to the DC Comics news. Now, uh, we start DC Comics news with the Suicide Squad, which is doing pretty well at the box office, you gotta admit. The Suicide Squad's flew Laborg had to put on 25 pounds of muscle to play the supervillain Javelin. The actor told Men's Journal, you know, not, not my usual place for getting news, by the way, but Men's Journal, quote, my usual routine used to be working out for 20 minutes, eating nothing, and staring at the television for the rest of the day. Paolo Masidi told me that wasn't going to fly, unquote. Now, on Instagram, he added, quote, to transform into Javelin in hashtag the Suicide Squad, I was having to do many activities like braiding a giant's hair, 
thank to my trainer man at Paolo Massetti for making it possible and to at MJ Fit at Men's Journal and at Men's Health Mag for telling people about this muscle journey. Watch at James Gunn's at the Suicide Squad in the theaters now, unquote. You know, I guess I guess in or if we want his his workout tips, we have to read the book. Netflix's Sandman has wrapped up production on season one. The and just ten episode ten months after starting, the news came from uh, Neil Gaiman's official Twitter account. He wrote, quote, Well, we finished principal photography on season one, and now we all have to be patient while the VFX and such li- such like are done. Music is written and recorded and so on. No, I don't know any release dates and even when the trailer will be released. It feels like Sandman. I don't know if that means that people who watch TV will like it, although I hope they will. But I suspect that if you like Sandman and you want to see it on the screen, then you'll like this. I also think Tom Sturridge will be a star after season one of Sandman drops. Unquote. Now, Sturridge stars as Dream in the series alongside Gwendolyn Christie as Lucifer, Charles Dance as Roderick Burgess, Asim Kadri as Abel, Sanjev Bhaskar as Cain, Kirby Howell Baptiste as Death, Dream's wiser sister, and Mason Park, Alexander Park as Desire, Dream's sibling. The series, as again, has no premiere date yet. Supergirl star Melissa Benoist has put her costume on for the final time. Filming on the sixth and final season of the show, Miss Benoist has, has shared a photo of herself on Instagram in the costume alongside fellow stars Shyler Lee and David Harewood with the caption quote, Thank you for an incredible six years. The cast who became family, everyone who worked on the show, all of you who watched us week after week. That's a wrap on Supergirl on at Supergirl CW, unquote. Now, six seasons is a pretty good run for a show, especially one that had been canceled by its original network. The Suicide Squad's Nathan Fillion had a building named after him in Edmonton, Canada. Now, Fillion comes from the Canadian city, which is in the process of converting a series of downtown parking lots into luscious green park. An online petition to the city asked it to rename it to the Nathan Fillion Civilian Pavilion. Now, other stars from the movie joined in with support, including director James Gunn, Idris Elba, John Cena, Margot Robbie, and their efforts paid off as Edmonton announced on August 6th the, quote, challenge accepted at Sonic 1029 at Hunter at Home at Warner Brothers CA. What's a more civilian pavilion than Edmonton's own city hall? For this weekend, we've renamed our city hall Nathan Fillion Civilian Pavilion to mark the premiere of hashtag the Suicide Squad, unquote. Yeah. I still think they should go ahead and name that entire green space the Nathan Fillion Civilian Pavilion. Yeah. It's fun to say. What can you what what can, what can you say about that, you know? Justice League producer Charles Roven had a mea culpa moment about the bad CG job on Henry Cavill's removed mustache in Justice League. Now, if you recall, Cavill was filming on Mission Impossible and was unable to shave the mustache for the reshoots on Justice League, requiring Warner Brothers to <laughs> digitally remove the mustache, which just made his mouth look weird. Roven told The Hollywood Reporter, quote, we were dealing with very complicated scenes. They were so complicated in terms of their structure and additional shooting issues. And of course, we also had the fact that we were hoping for Henry to shave his beard. We were very worried that we weren't going to be able to accomplish that in the way that wasn't visible. And in fact, we were right to be worried about that. 
to open this movie with your Superman and have his face look funny, I wouldn't say that was one of the greatest decisions that were that were made, unquote. Now, he also said that releasing the Justice League with a funny-looking Man of Steel was the decision made to protect the release date, the promotional partners, and the pre-book theaters. So, in other words, he kind of pushed the blame that way. In Batman, Urban Legends number 6, Tim Drake came out as bisexual. DC Comics issued the following statement, quote, Okay, don't freak out, don't freak out. All right, fine, you can freak out, but please, freak respectively. As of August 10th, 2021, your headcanon is real. Tim Drake dates boys. If you're a member of DC's significant queer community, then you already understand why this is a big deal. In fact, you've probably been waiting for a moment like like this for a very long time. But for the uninitiated, please allow me to explain. This week, Batman Urban Legends number 6 includes the combination of a three-part story by writer Megan Fitzmartin, Ars Belen Ortega, Colors Alejandro Sanchez and other Pat Brasso about Tim Drake, the premier Robin of the 90s and many of our childhoods, and the most responsible boy to ever don the red and green. After the horrific mother of J- murder of Jason Todd, it was Tim who brought Batman back from the darkest place in his life, not to pursue any personal dream of crime fighting and costume donning, but because Batman needs a Robin. As Fitzmartin and company have explored in this urban legend story, Tim Drake, some of our parts, it's that ultimate, it's that element which was, has defined Tim Drake's existence since he, since he first appeared. The third Robin has always been someone who puts the needs of others before himself, filling vacancies where no one else steps up. He bears Batman, Young Justice, and the Teen Titans like a weary Atlas, being where, whatever he needs to be to keep the world at balance. But that's the problem too. If Tim Drake can't, can be anything to anyone, who is he to himself? Who does Tim Drake, Drake want out of life? What is his secret, true secret identity? Practically, since the moment comic books were invented, misinformed parents and authority figures have lambasted them as tools for, for corrupting America's youth towards criminal thoughts, immoral deeds, and worst of all, to straight-laced mid-century nuclear families, homosexuality. Queer coding in comics, the idea of expressing your true self through a colorful costume as you hide your dual identity from the world, was once considered too scandalous for a largely homophobic nation. As queer kids were finding a piece of themselves in characters like Robin, judges and psychologists, and even the comic book publishers themselves, wary of a culture turning against them, did everything they could to censor queer themes from comics for decades to come. But even as those themes were stifled, speculation on Robin's sexuality has never stopped. And despite a multitude of new Robins, each with a parade of their own heteronormative partners, queer readers have continued to see a piece of themselves within the boy wonder. Queer readings of Robin continue to proliferate through his stories, friendships between Dick Grayson and Wally West, Jason Todd and Roy Harper, Tim Drake and Connor Kent, Stephanie Brown and Cassandra Kane, and even Damon Wayne and John Kent have been perceived as something closer than friendship time and time again. And queer readers searching for themselves within Batman's world. But that should be no, no surprise. All the way back in 1940, Robin was created with the intention of being a reader's surrogate, a character who readers could project themselves onto, fighting crime across rooftops under the enigmatic Batman's wing. There have been female Robins, black Robins, rich Robins, poor Robins. Why would a queer reader, especially one over, overtly ostracized by comics culture itself for so many decades, feel any less worthy of that same surrogate relationship? Unquote. 
Now, they go on to describe the moment which I've omitted for brevity, and if you want to see it for yourself. Now, let's go back to the statement, quote. This is, as I've said, a very big deal. In fact, they that might be underselling it. For a certain significant portion of Batman readers, the Gotham Outsiders, who have always found themselves looking in, it's a moment which will continue to be t- taking, uh, talking about to be celebrating for years. The moment that queer fans were not through subtext, not through permissible point of view reading, but unabashedly, textually supported for the first time since Kate Kane was kicked out of West Point. The moment that a Robin, any Robin, but particularly a Robin with history and legacy, and now decades of queer coding readings under his utility belt, was allowed to be queer, the queer icon he's always been. But the text right under Tim's acceptance of Bernard's invitation and to a greater understanding of his own self may be the best part of all. It's the part that says, to be continued. This isn't the end of Tim Drake's self-discovery. We've only just reached the beginning, and you can be sure that in Batman Urban Legends number 10, we'll all be there to follow this personal journey wherever it goes. Tim Drake Nation, rise up. There's no turning back now. Unquote. Danny DeVito will get to write a new Penguin story for DC Comics' Gotham Villains Advent Anniversary Giant Number 1. This anthology issue will be just as the title implies, Stories of Gotham Villains. Details of DeVito's story are, of course, under wraps, but preview pages sent out seem to show DeVito's Penguin reteaming with Catwoman. Now, Gotham City's villains' anniversary giant arrives in time to celebrate the anniversaries of some of Batman's most iconic foes, including 80 years of the Penguin and the Scarecrow, 70 years of Killer Moth, 50 years of Ra's al Ghul, and more. In addition to DeVito and Dan Moore, the all-star lineup includes writer, writers like Joshua Williamson, G. William Will, 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 Wilson, and Philip Kennedy Johnson, alongside artists like Jill Thompson, Christian Ward, Emma, Emma Rios, and many more. The issue will be out on news on stands on November 30th. And that brings us to the Marvel news. Walt Disney CEO Bob Chopek confirmed in a third quarter earnings call that both Free Guy and Marvel's Shang-Chi will not show up at the will not show up at the same time on Disney Plus as their theatrical releases. He told attendees, quote, as you probably recognize, we live in a very uncertain world in terms of the recovery of some of our markets. The, and the theatrical exhibition world is certainly a part of that. We said from the very beginning that we value flexibility and being able to make as last-minute calls as we can, given what we see in the marketplace. Certainly, when we planned our schedule that we're executing right now, we did not anticipate, nor did do I think anybody, the resurgence of COVID with the Delta variant that would have such a significant impact on the marketplace, unquote. Now, that was uh, that was more just more confirmation from the May earnings call that the movies would have a 45-day theater-exclusive window before being released in other forms. Now, when asked if uh, it ha- would have gone to Premiere Plus, Chopek uh, added, quote, On Free Guy, obviously, this is a title that we acquired under a different distribution assumption and set of agreements, so we didn't don't have the degree of freedom that, to do that. 
Now on Shang Chi, we actually think it's going to be an interesting experiment for us because it's only got a 45-day window for us. The prospect of being able to take a Marvel title to the service after going theatrical for just 45 days will be yet another data point to inform our actions going forward on our titles. Shang Chi. Uh, Marvel Studios Shang-Chi was planned on being opened in a much more healthy theatrical environment. Unfortunately, due to our distribution agreements that we have, and due to just the practicalities of last-minute changes, it would be impossible to release Shang-Chi on Premier Access, unquote. Now, the movies that Disney has put on Premier Access include uh, Raya the Last Dra- and the Last Dragon, Cruella, Black Widow, and Jungle Cruise, which have not had long lives at the box office, premiering and then dropping right off due to both the miserable COVID era box office attendance and the online availability. Now, by the way, 45 days after Shang-Chi premieres in theaters would be October 18th. So uh, watch your space or watch this space. Hulu executive Jordan Hillman sees potential for Hulu and Marvel Studios to bring more shows to the service. Hillman told Deadline, quote, Marvel continues to be an incredibly important partner and one of the biggest generators of content within the Disney ecosystem. So we're excited about the possibility of what may lie in the future with regards to the Hulu-Marvel relationship, unquote. Now, he did confirm that Hulu has yet to speak with Marvel Studios or Kevin Feige, but that Hulu still has plans to get some MCU content because it seems like it would be an incredibly robust avenue for future projects. The next Marvel studio, Marvel show, Marvel's Hit Monkey, is due on Hulu this fall. Ryan Reynolds thinks that there's still a decent chance, a decent chance of a new Deadpool movie coming into production very soon. When asked by Collider what he thought the chances were, the actor and Mint Mobile owner said, quote, the percentage chance? I don't know. I would assign a percentage to that. I'd say it's 50-50 maybe? We're really actively developing it and getting it in, into pretty good shape. What the what the hell month is it? August? Oh, next year. Uh, probably damn pre, pretty damn good. I'd say seventy percent. Unquote. The script is being written by Bob's Burgers writers, uh, Moni Molyneux and and Lindsay, Lizzie Molyneux Logan and Reynolds, who have an update on that front. Quote. It's something that is just a daily process. Writing is kind of like that. You've got a lot of time to do it and walk away. And I'm working with the Molyneux on it. It's been great. They're incredibly talented and so, so smart. They so understand that world and know how to zig when everyone's expecting a zag. So it's been a lot of fun, unquote. Ethan Hawke told Late Night Seth Meyers a bit about his current role as the villain in Disney Plus's Moon Knight series, which is currently filming in Budapest, Hungary. He raved about the set, saying, These are the best sets I've ever been on in my life. I've entered some alternate universe, and it's kind of, kind of interesting. Unquote. Now, after Meyers remarked that Ethan looked eerily like David Koresh, the cult leader who died in Waco, Texas in 1993, look it up. Uh, Hawk said it's intentional, saying, quote, I've based my character on David Koresh. He's the basis of great character inspiration, unquote. Now, Moon Knight is a former U.S. Marine and current mercenary with dissociative identity disorder named Mark Spector, who will be played by Oscar Isaac, who was granted superpowers from the Egyptian, Egyptian moon god Kanushu. It's due on Disney Plus in 2022. 
Now, we have an official order change for the MCU uh, lineup uh, going in his, going in uh, historical order. So uh, here here goes. Uh, first off, would be Cap in your uh, watching would be Captain America, the first Avenger, followed by Captain Marvel, followed by Iron Man and Iron Man Two, followed by Thor, the Avengers, Thor: The Dark World, Iron Man Three, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy One and Two, the Avengers: Age of Ultron, Ant Man, Captain America: Civil War, Black Widow, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Thor: Ragnarok, Ant Man and the Wasp, Avengers: Infinity Game, Avengers: Endgame. Next would be Loki, Marvel's What If, WandaVision, and finally, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yep, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the second series of the gate, is actually the last when you go chronologically. So, you know, stick that in your hat. Anyway, let's go on to the geek news. The money truck has pulled up to Seth, South Park creators Trey Parker and Matt Stone, who have gotten a big order that will keep uh, South Park coming out until 2027. The new deal, worth a reported $900 million, will see 14 original movies that will premiere on Paramount Plus, beginning with two coming in 2021, followed by two a year until 2027. Chris McCarthy, president and CEO of MTV Entertainment and CCO of Adult Animation at Paramount Plus, said in a statement, quote, Matt and Trey are world-class creatives who brilliantly use their outrageous humor to skewer the absurdities of our culture, and we are excited to expand and deepen our long relationship with them to help fuel Paramount Plus and Comedy Central. Franchising marquee talent like South Park and developing new IP with tremendous talent like Matt and Trey is the heart of our strategy to continue growing Paramount Plus. Unquote. Now, Parker and Stone, in the same statement, said, quote, Comedy Central has been our home for 25 years, and we're really happy that they've made a commitment to us for the next 75 years. When we came to Viacom CBS with a different way to produce the show during the pandemic, Chris McCarthy, Nina Diaz, Keys Hill Edgar, and Tony Giles were immediately supportive and enabled us to try something new that turned out to be really well-received. We can't wait to get back to doing traditional South Park episodes, but now we can also try out new formats. It's great to have partners who will always take a chance with us, unquote. And uh, when, you, when you've made money like that, why not buy something near and dear to your heart? Matt and Trey have struck a deal to buy the Casabonia restaurant that was featured in an episode of South Park. The duo broke the news in an interview with Colorado Governor Jared Polis, the company that owns Casa Bonita Summit Family Restaurants filed for Chapter 11 in Arizona on April 6th. The final sale is pending court approval and will take months. Speaking with The Hollywood Reporter, Trey Parker said, quote, If it were up to us, we would have people in there right now working on it, unquote. The iconic Mexican restaurant located at 6715 West Colfax Avenue in Lakewood, Colorado, is an enormous Mexican restaurant which features an arcade, cave, and waterfall with cliff divers, among other attractions, which opened in 1974. Lakewood Mayor Adam Paul told The Hollywood Reporter, quote, This is a really exciting announcement, not only for the community, but for our entire state. 
there has been a lot of behind-the-scenes movement, and certainly these deals can be challenging. Not only will this help save an iconic landmark in Lakewood, but it will also provide catalytic change for an emerging arts district. I want to thank Trey and Matt for their commitment to the community, unquote. You know, I hope that every now and then they have someone dressed as Cartman cliff diving from time to time. That would just be sweet. Super sweet. The Venture Brothers have arrived on HBO Max. All seven seasons of the show are currently there and will be joined by a series finale movie in the future. The Clifford the Big Red Dog movie has been pulled from Paramount's release schedule over concerns about the Delta variant and its effects on the box office. The movie was planned to be released next month on September 17th with a world premiere at the Toronto Film Festival. Paramount is currently looking for a new release date. It's not the only thing to be delayed yet again. Venom Let There Be Carnage has been pushed back to October 15th, and Hotel Transylvania 4 Transformania uh, might also be moving, possibly straight to streaming. Emma, and uh, on new news, Emma Stone will be back in a sequel to Cru- Cruella, according to Deadline. No word on when the sequel will happen. Now, the first one was released both in theaters and on Disney Plus premiere back on May 26th and earned $222 million worldwide. Disney wants a sequel to Free Guy, according to star Ryan Reynolds, who posted on Twitter, quote, And after three years messaging, hashtag Free Guy, as an original IP movie, Disney confirmed today they want a sequel. Woohoo! Hashtag irony. The new Spawn movie has gotten a new writer. Brian Tucker, who wrote the 2013 movie Broken City, starring Russell Crowe and Mark Wahlberg, has been given the job of writing the script for the Blumhouse-produced Todd McFarlane-directed reboot. The the live-action Powerpuff Girls pilot, Powerpuff, has lost one of its three leads as actress Chloe Bennett has stepped down due to scheduling conflicts. Now, the show's first pilot failed... But a second pilot was commissioned, and the casting for a new co-star will begin shortly. And finally tonight, tabletop game designer Steve Perrin has passed away. Mr. Perrin was best known for his work on the fantasy game RuneQuest, where he designed the original game and created the BRP slash D100 rules system. At one point, the game was second only to Dungeons & Dragons. He was also a founding member of the Society for Creative Acronism, SCA, the medieval-themed Living History Group. Perrin also contributed to Call of Cthulhu, Star Trek, Starfleet Academy, and Stormbringer, and wrote several D&D supplements and designed a tabletop role-playing game for ElfQuest. In recent weeks, he started a GoFundMe for his wife Louise, who had entered hospice care after a heart attack coupled with pneumonia. The GoFundMe has raised over $200,000. Steve Perrin was 75 years old. And that brings us to the end of the comic book news for today. Uh, be sure to check us out on social media. We're at Twitter at Multiverse Tom. We're also on Facebook and Instagram as well. Now, if you'd like to contribute financially and, you know, some feedback if you'd like and you know i can't get any better if i don't know if i'm doing anything wrong special thanks to shane ivers for the intro music and lobo loco for the outro theme music thanks for watching the comic book edition of multiverse tonight we'll be back in just two weeks with a brand new sci-fi edition and a brand new comic book edition as well now please exit the universe in an orderly fashion good night 
Science Multiverse Night is a production of Half Baked Genre Productions. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.